the famous five. Five on Kirin Island again. Dedicated to Zora and Jazz. Apologies in advance for misreading, repeating myself, and losing my voice. Chapter 5 A Mystery Everyone stared at Uncle Quinton. There he was, intently watching the jackdaws, his hands in his pockets. He hadn't seen the children or his wife. Timmy leapt to his feet and gambled over to George's father. He barked loudly. Uncle Quinton jumped and turned round. He saw Timmy, and then he saw all the others, staring at him in real astonishment. Uncle Quinton did not look particularly pleased to see anyone. He walked slowly over to them, a slight frown on his face. This is a surprise, he said. I had no idea you were all coming today. Oh, Quinton, said his wife reproachfully, I wrote it down for you in your diary. You know I did. Did you? Well, I haven't looked in my diary since, so it's no wonder I forgot, said Uncle Quinton, a little peevishly. He kissed his wife, George and Anne, and shook hands with the boys. Uncle Quinton, where did you come from? asked Dick, who was eaten up with curiosity. We've looked for you for ages. Oh, I was in my workroom, said Uncle Quinton vaguely. Well, but where's that? demanded Dick. Honestly, Uncle Quinton, we can't imagine where you hid yourself. We even went up the tower to see if you were in that funny glass room at the top. What? exploded Uncle Quinton, in a sudden surprising fury. You dared to go up there? You might have been in great danger. I've just finished an experiment and all those wires in there were connected with it. Yes, we saw them acting a bit strangely, said Julian. You've no business to come over here and interfere with my work, said his uncle, still looking furious. How did you get into that tower? I locked it. Yes, it was locked all right, said Julian, but you left the key in. You see, uncle? So I thought it wouldn't matter if... Oh, that's where the key is, is it? said his uncle. I thought I'd lost it. Well, don't you ever go into that tower again, I tell you. It's dangerous. Uncle Quinton, you haven't told us yet where your workroom is, said Dick, who was quite determined to know. We can't imagine where you suddenly came from. I told them you would turn up, Quinton, said his wife. You look a bit thin, dear. Have you been eating regular meals? You know, I left you plenty of good soup to heat up. Did you? said her husband. Well, I don't know if I've had it or not. I don't worry about meals when I'm working. I'll have some of those sandwiches now, though, if nobody else wants them. He began to devour the sandwiches one after another, as if he was ravenous. Aunt Fanny watched him in distress. Oh, Quinton, you're starving. I shall come over here and stay and look after you. Her husband looked alarmed. Oh, no. Nobody is to come here. I can't have my work interfered with. I'm working on an extremely important discovery. 
Is it a discovery that nobody else knows about? asked Anne, her eyes wide with admiration. How clever Uncle Quinton was. Well, I'm not sure about that, said Uncle Quinton, taking two sandwiches at once. That's partly why I came over here, besides the fact that I wanted water around me and above me. I have a feeling that somebody knows a bit more than I want them to know. But there's one thing. They can't come here unless they're shown the way through all those rocks that lie around the island. Only a few of the fishermen know that, and they've been given orders not to bring anyone here at all. I think you're the only other person that knows the way, George. Uncle Quinton, please do tell us where your workroom is, begged Dick, feeling that he could not wait a single moment more to solve the mystery. Don't keep bothering your uncle, said his aunt. Annoyingly. Let him eat his lunch. He can't have had anything for ages. Yes, but Aunt Fanny, I began Dick, and was interrupted by his uncle. Obey your aunt, young man. I don't want to be pestered by any of you. What does it matter where I work? Oh, it doesn't matter a bit, said Dick hurriedly. It's only that I'm awfully curious to know. You see, we looked for you simply everywhere. Well, you're not quite so clever as you think you are then, are you? said Uncle Quinton, and reached for a jammy bun. George, take this dog of yours away from me. He keeps breathing down my neck, hoping I shall give him a titbit. I don't approve of titbits at mealtimes. George pulled Timmy away. Her mother watched her father gobbling up the rest of the food. Most of the sandwiches she had saved for tea time had already gone. Poor Quinton, how very hungry he must be. Quinton, you don't think there's any danger for you here, do you? she said. I mean, you don't think anyone would try to come spying on you as they did once before. No, how could they, said her husband. No plane can land on this island. No boat can get through the rocks unless the way through is known. And the sea's too rough round the rocks for any swimmer. Julian, see if you can make him promise to signal me night and morning, said Aunt Fanny, turning to her nephew. I feel worried about him somehow. Julian tackled his uncle manfully. Uncle, it wouldn't be too much of a bother to you to send a signal to Aunt Fanny twice a day, would it? If you don't, Quinton, I shall come over every single day to see you, said his wife. And we might come too, said Anne mischievously. Her uncle looked most dismayed at the idea. Well, I could signal in the morning and in the evening when I go up to the top of the tower, he said. I have to go up once every twelve hours to readjust the wires. I'll signal then. Half past ten in the morning and half past ten at night. How will you signal? asked Julian. Will you flash with a mirror in the morning? Yes, that would be quite a good idea, said his uncle. I could do that easily. And I'll use a lantern at night. I'll shine it out six times at half past ten. Then perhaps you'll all know I'm all right, and will leave me alone. But don't look for a signal tonight. I'll start tomorrow. Oh, dear Quinton, you do sound cross, said his wife. I don't like you being all alone here, that's all. You look thin and tired. I'm sure you're not, but Uncle put on a scowl, exactly like George sometimes puts on. 
He looked at his wristwatch. Well, I must go, he said. Time to get to work. I'll see you to your boat. We are going to stay to tea here, father, said George. No, I'd rather you didn't, said her father, getting up. Come on, I'll take you to your boat. But father, I haven't been on my island for ages, said George, indignantly. I want to stay here a bit longer. I don't see why I shouldn't. Well, I've had enough interruption to my work, said her father. I want to get on. We shan't disturb you, Uncle Quinton, said Dick, who was still terribly curious to know where his uncle had his workroom. Why wouldn't he tell them? Was he just being annoying, or didn't he want them to know? Uncle Quinton led them all firmly towards the little cove. It was plain that he meant them to go, and to go quickly. When shall we come over and see you again, Quinton? asked his wife. Not till I say so, said her husband. It won't take me long now to finish what I'm on. My word, that dog's got a rabbit at last. Oh, Timmy, yelled George in distress. Timmy dropped the rabbit he had actually managed to grab. It scampered away unhurt. Timmy came to his mistress, looking very sheepish. You're a very bad dog. Just because I took my eye off you for half a second. No, it's no good licking my hand like that. I'm cross. They all came to the boat. I'll push her off, said Julian. Get in, all of you. Well, goodbye, Uncle Quinton. I hope your work goes well. Everyone got in the boat. Timmy tried to put his head on George's knee, but she pushed it away. Oh, be kind to him and forgive him, begged Anne. He looks as if he's going to cry. Are you ready? cried Julian. Got the oars, George. Dick, take the other pair. He shoved the boat off and leapt in himself. He cupped his hands round his mouth. Don't forget to signal. We'll be watching out morning and evening. And if you forget, I shall come over the very next day, called his wife. The boat slid away down a little inlet of water, and Uncle Quinton was lost to sight. Then, round the low wall of rocks went the boat, and was soon out on the open sea. Julian, watch and see if you can make out where Uncle Quinton is when we're round these rocks, said Dick. See which direction he goes in. Julian tried to see his uncle, but the rocks there hid the cove from sight, and there was no sign of him at all. Why didn't he want us to stay? Because he didn't want us to know his hiding place, said Dick. And why doesn't he want us to know? Because it's somewhere we don't know either. But I thought we knew every corner of the island, said George. I think it's mean of father not to tell. Especially if it's somewhere we don't know. I can't think where it could be. Timmy put his head on her knee. George was so absorbed in trying to think where her father's hiding place could be that she absent-mindedly stroked Timmy's head. He was almost beside himself with delight. He licked her fingers lovingly. Oh, Timmy, I didn't mean to pet you for ages, said George. Stop licking my hands. You make them feel wet and horrid. Dick, it's very mysterious, isn't it? Where can father be hiding? I can't imagine, said Dick. 
He looked back at the island. A cloud of jackdaws rose up into the air, calling loudly, Jack! 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 The boy watched them. What had disturbed them? Was it Uncle Quinton? Perhaps his hiding place was somewhere about the old tower then, the one that jackdaws nested in. On the other hand, the jackdaws often rose into the air together for no reason at all. Those jackdaws are making a bit of fuss, he said. Perhaps Uncle Quinton's hiding place is not far from where they roost together, maybe by the tower. Can't be, said Julian. We went all round there today. Well, it's a mystery, said George gloomily, and I think it's horrible having a mystery about my own island and to be forbidden to go to it and solve it. It's really too bad. End of chapter 5